0: Hi, I'm Abby, and this is We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. And the people who love me have had to check in on me multiple times since last we spoke on Friday, red day. Um, it's been a whirlwind, everyone. It's been a whirlwind. It was suggested on my Instagram that maybe a subset of this podcast would just be called We Have Feelings, and it's just like a safe space to... um be not fine at all, probably not okay um Taylor Swift has continued to do what she does best and make us feel a lot of things and and there's been an an onslaught from a bunch of other people too, so first, I would say the short film which I recorded the podcast last Friday. if you haven't listened, I did like a special taylor episode um about the re-release of red but the short i hadn't watched the short film yet it was devastating like i was full on sobbing full sobbing um starring dylan o'brien and sadie sink who were so good i i mean all of this stuff has inspired me to make tiktoks and reels so that's been fun even if i mean possibly am i embarrassing myself i don't know maybe maybe But. One I did was like the infamous, the hand drop that he does, like they're sitting at dinner and she like tries to hold his hand and he like kind of swats it away and then like pats it condescendingly and like who among us hasn't been there, right? Who among us? That was a lot. That was a lot to handle. That entire short film was a lot to handle and I think... Well, we'll get into a little bit more of the discourse that this, this album's re-release has brought up. But I also shout out to Rob Sheffield, who is a fantastic writer at Rolling Stone. Um, also has a great memoir called Love is a Mixtape. It's really lovely. Um, but he tweeted that he realized the dad in the All Too Well short film was the guy who played Howard on 90210. And Howard is one of the people who helped organize the Donna Martin Graduates March. And that is the kind of specific information that I really love. Um, there, there's so many kind of Easter eggs and things in the, in the movie. We don't need to get into all those. But if you want to check that stuff out, that, this is for anybody who's kind of new to Taylor Talk because of all of this. She hides messages in fucking everything she does. And there's a million places on the Internet where you can read this stuff. But it's wild. She's a maniac. Um, you know, the song "Peace" from folklore is one of my favorites. But like, would it be enough if I could never give you peace? Is like a wonderful line about a complicated person, and I re- it resonates to me very much. And and it's also a commentary on her fame and whatever. But it's also like this woman gives us no peace, and and some other people have given us no peace this week either. So, but I think the the conversation has been really interesting. Um, I loved this. Tweet from Karina McKenzie, who's a, a writer, and, um, a screenwriter and a showrunner, that she was like, the all too well 10 minute version is so inspiring because maybe we don't have to look back at our younger selves and their big dramatic feelings with embarrassment. Maybe we can validate them, celebrate once having had hearts that enormous to break so spectacularly in the first place. And I loved that so much. I literally read it to my therapist <laughs> um, on Sunday because, yeah we need we had a lot to talk about but i think the the idea of owning your story both financially which is what taylor's doing with re-recording these um these albums and just so anyone knows the the ones she already she's not going to re-record i mean at this point is lover folklore and evermore because that was in her different like deal and she already owns those so it's the older stuff that she has to go back and so that she can own the masters but owning your story financially and emotionally is really fucking cool and And it definitely ties into a conversation that um my friend Dory Howard and I have today on the show, which we actually recorded on Friday. So I was able to, like, pull myself together to have a conversation. But we are we talk a bit about um the Ryan Murphy show impeachment and Monica Lewinsky. And I think, there's there's a lot of connection between like what Taylor's doing, both taking back her her work, um, but also that the way it, it takes back the the power in the in the relationship that she's talking about. So I loved this piece in the New York Times by Lindsay Zolads, and it was I'm gonna read a few things that I think just relate to this topic. In both its incarnations, all too well is a song about the weaponization of memory. The devil is in the details. The more specific, the more they seem to assert. In the face of an unfeeling and perhaps manipulatively disbelieving ex that this experience really happened. A lost scarf. The way an open refrigerator illuminated a dark kitchen. And that's a bit what I talked about like last week on the pod too. That like the validation of like, no, this fucking happened. Like just between us did the love affair maim you too? Did it maim you all too well? Do you remember it all too well? And then um, Lindsay goes on and she says, later in the piece, but for all its hyper-personalization and for the public's somewhat excessive fixation on the famous actor who is rumored to have inspired it, All Too Well is also quite poignantly about a young woman's attempt to find retroactive equilibrium in a relationship that was based on a power imbalance that she was not at first able to perceive. And then... She goes on, this uh, this piece is so good. While the song's subject is never accused of doing anything much worse than some mild gaslighting and hypocritical keychain owning, All Too Well parallels the emotional work that many women have been privately undertaking in the wake of the Me Too movement, looking back on past encounters or relationships that left them with a seemingly outsized feeling of unease, wondering what exactly constitutes exploitation or emotional abuse, wishing they could go back and extend some compassion or wisdom to their vulnerable younger selves. And then... But the truth was that the song isn't just about him anymore. It's also about the fans, the depths they heard in it before anyone else and whatever and whoever they still wished they could forget. Okay, like even just thinking about that makes me get a little choked up. But I think the conversation, you know, you'll hear some like people be like, oh, why is she talking about this stuff from a million years ago? And it's like, fuck you. You know, like, first of all she can talk about whatever she wants. And a, she wrote all this music back then. She didn't go rewrite all this stuff, but it made me think of a moment in her Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, which I highly recommend, especially if you're kind of new again to, to Taylor to Swiftyland, land where she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Am I being too loud in the house that I bought with the songs that I wrote about my life? And I, I quote that all the time because when someone tells you that you should be quiet, like, nah, no, like you can tell your story. And I think that that discourse around all of this, um, that is so interesting. And I think that there is a reason that so many women connect to like those of us who have connected to the song for a long time, but for people who are rediscovering it or discovering it, um, and then the the longer version, um, we feel that like t- so many of us have been there. And like it is about looking back with compassion on those those younger versions of ourselves. And it's just really, really interesting. I love I love all of this conversation so much. And then, you know, she surprised dropped another video on us directed by her bestie, Blake Lively. Um, that is I Bet You Think About Me which is uh, a From the Vault song that she has Chris Stapleton singing on. Um, so yeah, Blake, she and Blake and Ryan are all really good friends. Um, if you don't know, in the song Betty, on Folklore, the characters in the song are all are Blake and Ryan's three daughters' names. So Betty, James, and Inez. So yeah, that's, you know, again, the Easter eggs are everywhere. Miles Teller is cast as kind of the douche the the Jake, if you will, <laughs> the situation and the song references like, ugh. And you grew up in your like Beverly Hills, blah blah blah. Which, I mean, Jake's mother is um, a screenwriter. Jake and Maggie's mom, um, Naomi Foner. So she wrote one of a movie I love very much, Running on Empty, which I've talked about here before, which has River Phoenix in it. Um, she was nominated for an Oscar for that, I believe. So but Miles Teller is great. And it's like this song is, um, you know, I'm harder to forget than I was to leave, which is fantastic. And then she's just like, he's seeing red and he's at his wedding and it is his like real life wife who's in the in the video, too. And she he keeps seeing Taylor everywhere. And there's so many Easter eggs in this it's out of control. Like there was a theory that the tears of the wedding cake are the five albums she's re-recording. And like this person made a very solid argument. I like bought in all the way. Um, also, I've just, I've been crying over all this music. I mean, it's like, I'm unwell, you guys. I'm unwell. But uh, also, I forgot to mention, the there's another from the vault song that I love so much called Better Man. And I think this gets into like that, that line from the New York Times piece, like whatever and whoever, they still wish they for, could forget. And like, we all have those people that we can't. And it's like, when she's just like, sometimes in the middle of the night, I can feel you again. And I just miss you. And I wish you were a better man. Like, whoo, daggers. So in the spiral of all of that, out of nowhere on Monday, well kind of out of nowhere, Harry Edward Styles releases his beauty line, Pleasing, which in in the fandom like we've known this was coming, there was a trademark. He's been wearing this Pleasing sweatshirt, he has a Pleasing sticker on his phone. It was it was coming. So all of a sudden like some billboards started popping up and it was like, okay, this is happening. And then on top of it comes a photo shoot for Dazed in the cover story, and with so many images, so many images that I mean it started with he's on a motorcycle in like these purple gucci pants and this like cut out black shirt where you can see part of his chest. It derailed my entire day and many of the other uh, members of the Coven of Psychos. It was out of control. They're so, I mean, the fashion is incredible. I mean, it's it's like Comme des Garcons. It's Gucci. It's um, archival Gaultier. It's gender fluid. He's in dresses. He's in pants. He's in fucking Mary Janes. He is doing, posing that would make you believe that his Pilates is really paying off. I definitely worked harder at Pilates this morning with my mantra. Harry Hamstrings Haley Bieber. Um yeah, it's I would go take a look at all of these images. You probably saw me com- becoming completely unhinged if you follow me on Instagram. But, you know, he also, there's, there's some great quotes in it, but he's like, I have unlocked an ability to be myself completely unapologetically. And I think that gets to like the heart of like what I was saying about his shows and like the, the freedom that you feel there. Um, Of course, I am jealous of my beauty friends and fashion friends who got the pleasing box because in another life, I would have gotten that with the sweatshirt and the products, but I went ahead and ordered everything myself, of course. So there's nail polishes, there's a serum, there's a pen. Like, I think it's for under eye. Um, I, you know, I was in a frenzied state, so I, I ordered everything. So stay tuned. I will totally review that stuff. Um, and then again, all my other faves were just like bombarding. We had Sunday night, the Adele special with that proposal. That was insane. The album's coming Friday. Um, I love that she's just all, she's talking about like not being afraid to fall apart and like expose that. Love her. Of course, the Oprah stuff was amazing. Um, Casey Musgraves decided to drop a cover of Cold Place Fix You, one of my favorite songs ever, a highly emotional song, a song Chris Martin wrote for Gwyneth Paltrow after her dad died. Um, obviously, we all know that song has been in every TV show and movie, which is a bummer, but it doesn't matter because it's a fucking great song. So we've got a Casey Musgraves cover of that. Nile, my second favorite member of One Direction, and Anne-Marie are dropping a cover of Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. The fandom is in a tizzy like these people. It's relentless. And then Phoebe Bridgers, who already slaughtered my heart uh, on nothing new with Taylor Swift, starts posting on her Instagram stories. um, Paul Mescal, her boyfriend, who you may know from all the wonderful sad sex that they have on the show. Normal people that I loved very much and a fucking puppy. Like what? What are we supposed to do with this? It's too much. The famous piece, the famouses, you got to settle down. All of my faves, you got to settle down. Now there's like rumor of maybe Harry having a special guest at his show in LA on Saturday night, which it, I believe it started on Demois, so take it all with a grain of salt because that account is basically fan fiction all the time and it makes me so irritated Um, that that, that it finds its way to me even though I don't want to look at it. But I mean, if if that happens, the, people were trying to be like, "Is it Taylor?" And I'm like, I don't think so, because obviously I would die if that happened. But my money would be more on maybe Adele or Lizzo. But I don't know. We'll see. Or it might just be a totally normal show, and someone just made up an email and sent it to Demi, and then everyone started talking about it. But all right, enough rambling. There, we have a great conversation today with my friend Dory Howard about so many interesting things. And so we will be right back with that. This week's guest is someone I've wanted on the show since I started this podcast. And we just so happen to go all the way back to our early post-college days in New York City. She in the film world and me in magazines. And believe me, we had some times. Some we might be able to talk about here and many more that we absolutely cannot. But my beloved Dory Howard went on to become a big time movie exec before leaving the Hollywood game and becoming a badass fucking entrepreneur. She's had a shoe company that merged tech and design, is the co-founder of Wade and Bell, which fully reinvented the tights game as far as I'm concerned. And she also co-founded the Jane Club in Los Angeles, which we will definitely talk about a bit later because it's amazing. I'm a member. It's so great. Uh, She is brilliant and kind and innovative and also just very pretty with the most amazing red hair and gorgeous skin. And I'm sorry that just had to be said. Dory is also just a phenomenal friend, like the kind who when you decide you have to move back to New York City after your second stint living in Los Angeles after a year will store your leased car for you and let strangers come look at it until you find someone to take over said lease. That kind of friend. And as you can imagine, we have a long shared pop culture history that continues to this day. I will never forget the moment when I learned what a true save by the bellhead this woman is. It was glorious. We have so much to talk about today, so we should definitely just get into it. Please welcome my dear, dear friend, the wonderful Dory Howard.
1: I am so excited to be here, primarily because I've heard the beautiful intros you give all your guests, and I kept thinking, she's going to say something wonderful about me, and you absolutely did, and that just wanted me so much. Thank you. I'm I so excited you. to be
0: here. I'm so excited, and I and like one of my favorite things about this is also like as much as I, I don't talk on the phone to some so many of my friends, and so it's just like I get to chat with my friend, which is so nice. This is so nice about stuff that we you know love, and especially yeah, and I just miss you of. Yeah, I feel like it's been. I mean, obviously pandemic, but I feel There's like that. it was like it's been like three years. I feel like, was that like at that dinner that we went to? I feel like it was um, oh, you yeah. and me and Robin and Evan went to dinner. Yes. I think that's the last time I saw in you Culver like, City. in I, person.
1: I can yeah. tell you exactly when that was. That was the summer
0: of 2018. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It sure was. I know. I got to get to Los Angeles.
1: You got to get to Los Angeles or
0: I got to get to Indy. Yeah. Come. I have a guest room. Oh, hello. <laughs> the things you get when you don't live in New York City. Anymore. Seriously, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, a terrace and a guest room. It's Ooh. it's like a palace. I still get like floored by it. I'm still like, "Huh? This is the space." Oh, I <laughs> listen, I moved from New York City 17 years ago,
1: and I'm like, "Look, I have a coat closet. Like it's still. <laughs> I'm not like I have a pantry." Oh, when I for when I was looking for apartments so my first move to LA, and I was like, "My God! Like, there's a linen closet here." The realtor looks at right. me she's Like, did you just move here from New York City? And I was like, "I did." Like, should- I, re-
0: yeah. yeah, I remember that. The first, the first time I moved was like 2005, I guess. To L.A. That tracks. <clears throat> the the weird, the one weird thing that I never, I will never be able to forget is that some rental apartments did not come with refrigerators in Fact. Los Angeles. Totally true. Shocking. And that was so shocking to me. I was like, well, what would you have me do? Buy a refrigerator and then like take it to other places? Correct. Like I was like, what is happening? And also there wasn't enough hardwood, but then I did find hardwood. That was my thing. I was like, you can't (laughs) find a carpeted apartment
1: in New York City if you tried. (laughs) Like who wants that
0: in like a written, like I'm like
1: disgusting. disgusting. Dusty pet (laughs) dandery. who lived (laughs) here before me. No, absolutely not.
0: But I do remember being like, this apartment is big when I found one with a hardwood. And I was like, I can put a little kitchen table in here. And there's yes! a bedroom with a door. And like, it was a miracle. And it was so much less expensive than my New York apartment. I even mean, you, back can't, then. you yeah. can't even compare. But listen, you don't, but you
1: have to leave New York City to have all that. And that's <laughs> you the have price to drive all <laughs> You have to <laughs> drive a car.
0: Exactly. You have to live in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. I do miss LA though. I miss it.
1: I like to beat yeah. up on it, but it is a lovely and very I mean, easy is. place to
0: live. It
1: is. And I mean, I
0: did live there two times. So right. You see. liked it enough to try it again. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I would never say never again. Like, you never know where life is going to take you. I'm a gypsy. Isn't I just like to truth. move. But now, um, listen,
1: it's 2021. You can do that. Like, it's not called being a gypsy. It's called being a digital nomad. And it's very and cool. And all the kids are doing it.
0: I know, right? And that's like, I, I you know, I like to pretend to be a youth. So, and I don't have children or a partner currently or for a very long time. So I'm like, I can just make all these decisions by myself. Wherever it's you want to go
1: at any time. It's great. You know, yeah, I mean, age is just a social construct, right?
0: Yeah. Like time isn't real. No. So how could age be real? Don't think so. <laughs> so right. Those two things go
1: hand in hand. If one is disproved, right? so is the other. Boom. We solved it. Done. We're Love definitely it. not My work aging. here is done. Thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs>
0: And that's it. That's our episode. Um, okay, no, but we did. I would. I was like, "What do you want to talk about?" Well, first of all, I did mention the Saved by the Bell, and not oh. that we need to talk about Saved by the Bell. But, but why like, wouldn't
1: we? When we, But I feel it's like,
0: like it's Save fun. It's bell. a fundamental program to our generation, undeniably.
1: And, and by the way, let's be let's be clear. Like, it was groundbreaking for its time. A Saturday morning live action show aimed towards tweens was probably a a term that didn't exist back then. Tweens. Yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah. But that we were tween. It was for tween. It was tweens, yeah.
1: And it was it was revolutionary in what it did and launched huge franchises, huge careers. I mean, we make fun of Saved by the Bell because it's Saved by the Bell. But it really was a groundbreaking show.
0: But also none of that like Nickelodeon and Disney universe that came right after kind of our period, like, happens without the success of Saved by the Bell, I don't Hannah think.
1: Hannah Montana does not exist and, without Zach Morris. Like,
0: yeah, like, Hannah doesn't exist, like, Hilary Duff, Mm-mm. Raven, like, uh, Ariana Grande, you know, like, all those kids who not, are not kids anymore, but, like, came out of that system, the Joe Bros, like, yep. all of those people. <laughs> That's right. That was founded on, like, you know. The shoulders
1: like, of Bayside High.
0: Yeah, and, like, the CW and... Formerly, the WB doesn't exist without 90210. And like, you know, undeniably. so really, well, that's we were what's just so out there paving the
1: way <laughs> we were. And that's what I find to be so interesting about television specifically movies maybe but i consider myself a student of television um is how it does build upon it like there it it builds right like what happened yeah. in the 50s and 60s created way for what happened in the 70s and 80s and what happened in the 90s has created space for what's happening today and it is like also like a constant back and forth between how history informs pop culture and how pop culture informs history and those yeah. are the things that that are fascinating that like when you peel back the curtains of what's happening in television and especially when you have some distance right like when you can look yes. back to the 90s and you can look back to the 2000s and say oh what was happening in our society then and what was happening in television then and you can see real parallels it, it's a really fascinating and I think very possible to study whitewashed white supremacy based u.s history from watching television and i think tying it absolutely back, i mean i don't know how i'm going to tie this back to saved by the bell but there <laughs> were some real there were some real groundbreaking episodes that dealt with you know the uh, uh who wasn't was named johnny dangerously what was the, the the hollywood actor that came in and did drugs he brought drugs
0: yeah, yeah johnny bravo johnny, maybe johnny bravo i think was, was his name right? He was like the young star. Yeah. Well, you know, the first season of Stayed by the Bell when it was still Good Morning Miss Bliss happened. It took place fictionally in Indianapolis, Indiana. Obviously. Of course, I know that. Of and course, then- you know that. But like <laughs> for the listeners, that is a thing that if you have forgotten or never knew is real when it was Hayley Mills as Miss Bliss before they moved to Bayside. So like, I just can't I, like just imagine the studio executive meetings
1: where they're flipping through the research and they're like, Oh, we've invested so much in the show. It's not working. People aren't connecting with Mikey. Like what's happening here. <laughs> How can we like, you know, when they do the research groups and people are like, I don't know, like, Indianapolis doesn't sound great. Like, I, I don't, maybe I'd watch it more if it was, you know, in like Malibu or Los yeah. Angeles. Right. And then you can, can you imagine the studio executives being like, all right, well, this is it. We have to, we're, we're killing, we're getting rid of these characters, that sweet girl and, and poor Mikey and poor Haley Mills, yeah. by the way. I mean, bit. poor Haley Mills. <laughs> Incredible backstory if you've read her book recently. But so yes. we're going to get rid of them. We're going to move this all to LA. Get the showrunner on the phone. I mean, could you imagine
0: having that I- call? So insane, really. Like, and, and you know, from like the back end of like how productions um, work, it's, it's crazy. And then they're like, yeah, we'll just mash up like Malibu and the Palisades yeah, and yeah. whatever. And it's Bayside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like they did with um, Stanberry, right? The college that Zach wanted to go to. <laughs> yeah. was it if so, was one of those like mashup things. I think it was Stanberry. And I was like, it's like so close to being real. But by the way, like, what a great, analogy for Saved by the Bell, like, so close to being real, but, like, definitely not. Yes. Exactly. But definitely not.
0: Um, what would you say is your most prized piece of Saved by the Bell memorabilia?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, well, I have a lot of Saved by the Bell memorabilia. Um, <laughs> yeah, I
0: know you do. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, God. This is when I hate that there's no, vi- there's no video so I could show you some of my prized possessions. I know, I would say – Oh god, it's like Sophie's choice. Um okay, uh, I have a Save by the Bell bath wash in Zackberry flavor. Mhm. <laughs> that oh, I god. would yeah, I mean I'd, I'd say if I had to choose one that would that would be it. But um I love I, it. I had it sit- like last week I was walking, I dropped my kid off at school and there was a dad who was, you know, probably my age, who was like sitting behind a table like I think selling um cars for the big like stock car race. I don't know what the things like boy scouts do or kids do they yeah create these cards and race them there's a proper name i don't know what it is oh like ho- the boxcar derby or whatever. yes exactly but, sorry this is a part of like my child's school that i wholly ignore and say i'm not <laughs> we're not doing the boxcar derby but anyway boxcar derby dad was wearing a bayside shirt and oh. i was just i just look at him i go b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b and both of us went Bayside. and my daughter looked at me she's like <laughs> I was like, there will be a time. It's not yet, but there will be a time when we will sit down and we will watch Saved by the Bell, and we'll talk yeah. about all sorts of important things. Like, I mean, you'll be like, Psh.
0: yeah, and Zach attack.
1: Oh, and- oh, yeah, and maybe I'll teach you how to do the sprain. Do the sprain. Yeah, there'll be all sorts well, of wonderful things.
0: <laughs> I had on, um, because of course I did. As which is like what my brother said. I had on a Dylan McKay shirt, sure, like a couple weeks ago, and I went over May to my May he rest brother's. in peace you may he rest in peace I'm still not okay um and it's like as Dylan and it says like Dylan in like airbrush it looks like airbrush it's like this sun shirt that I totally got Instagram targeted with and just immediately purchased oh so you bought and it <laughs> recently
1: it's not like you
0: haven't like had it since oh no it night. looks it looks vintage but it's <laughs> mm-hmm. not sure it's Paxun um <laughs> yeah it's but it looks like it was made then like photography and like stylistically yes and so I was over at my brother and sister-in-laws and my my four and a half year old nephew um who I believe I've just fully indoctrinated into becoming a Harry Styles fan he's a full congratulations! yeah he's it's all he talks about I'm so proud um he looks at my shirt and he goes is that Harry Styles and I was like wow Connor it's not but it's it's kind of like Aunt Abby's, like, original Harry Styles. Like, yeah. you know, and I was like, it's a good, I, he wasn't wrong in, like, looking at it. And he goes, I thought that was Harry Styles. And I was like, I know. And he goes, well, and then he just started going on about, like, um, well, you know, because he does the Kindness song and mm-hmm, Watermelon mm-hmm. Sugar High. Oh, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And it's so I was just like, no, but we're going to talk one day about Dylan McKay. Too. Like, we but, will get there, like you say. <laughs> this was, I, had, um, I was having
1: dinner with two of my cousins that were in their 20s. Um, and pardon me for sounding very 20-teens, but we were at the Soho house. Oh, and, yes, um, baby. And, uh, and, <laughs> and this gentleman walks by, and I look at them and go, oh, do you guys know who that is? Do you guys know who that is? And they're like, oh, is that Dumbledore? I was like, that's Mick Fleetwood. Like <laughs> I'm like shocked. It was it was really a moment. I felt like a big failure as an older cousin. There was a lot of music history knowledge that happened after that. There were some Spotify playlists. It was not it was not a proud day in my family, but um, I'm
0: glad I could educate them. I'm so glad I my heart got like tight. I'm that's a great sighting. It, by the I, uh, way, it was like truly one of the best. I mean, I do have a photograph of Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks hanging over my bed. So like, I would have lost my mind. Yeah, to absolutely. Fleetwood. I went oh, to that this Dumbledore. Is-
1: <laughs> is that Dumbledore? um in a listen i have to rectify a moment because i did trash los angeles a little bit in the beginning but i'll say here's my favorite thing about los angeles is i went to a fundraiser um a, ba- a backyard neighborhood fundraiser for mike levin who was running down uh in i think san diego area for congress um uh-huh. in the last midterm election um so there was a fundraiser and the special guest on guitar was lindsey buckingham oh my god and i was like i'm in someone's backyard and here and like playing he just like plugged in played three fleetwood mac songs we all wrote bigger checks and he left i was like okay i like la i'll stay here a little <laughs> bit longer this is fine
0: i am having a visceral reaction to this
1: oh it because- was i mean when i tell it wasn't even like a grand palisades backyard it was someone's beautiful backyard in los Feliz, where i live and it was it was like, you would expect someone's like cousin who like, made like the third um, round of callbacks for American Idol to be at that kind of event. <laughs> right. And then because, you know, I'm sure- Well, we've been buddy... in many a
0: Los Feliz backyard where some rando <laughs> has gotten out of guitar <laughs> and played yes, at,
1: at night. that's <laughs> correct. That's what one would have
0: expected. But instead, God bless Lindsey Buckingham. And it was incredible. It was incredible. I mean, I've I've got some issues with some of his more recent talk, but about Stevie, mm-hmm. but like, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm always gonna be Team Stevie, but he's always. literally one of my first crushes in life. I am, as I told you before. Who knows what's going to happen? Because Red came out today, the day we're recording. So I'm like an emotional live wire, and I just got tears in my eyes and a full body chill when you talked about Lindsey
1: Buckingham. Yeah, well, this is this is real stuff, Abby. This is real and stuff,
0: that, and that is the beauty of Los Angeles. That is the stuff that I miss. Like yeah. when you're just like, oh, hey, there's Mike Fleetwood, and Lindsey Buckingham there's- just got out his guitar. Yep. Yep, yeah. yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what I was thinking when you were talking about like the. Like history through the lens of television, and television through the lens of history. And like one of the shows that we both have watched recently is a part of that. Is like impeachment, like the oh. Lewinsky Clinton show. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That has been a really interesting. I mean, because it's like it's Ryan Murphy show, right? So if for anyone who hasn't, it's it's an FX. It's in you know it's the Ryan Murphy verse. So you've got a lot of his like regular people, but it's the it's the Clinton Lewinsky story, and. Beanie Feldstein plays Monica and Sarah Paulson is Linda Tripp and uh, Edie Falco is Hillary and why am I blanking on what Clive Owen? Clive Owen is Bill and there's all these and Kobe Smulders is Ann Coulter. It's the whole bunch of the, the whole lot. But what, what, like, okay, so it just ended. I and mean, again, there's no spoilers for this show because well, it's history, that's, but that's talk to I, me about how you felt about it.
1: Well, that's what I find so interesting about what, what Ryan Murphy does is he really dr- dramatizes, is that how you say that, the, the, these events in such a real way when I watched the OJ Simpson one. Yeah, I remember thinking amazing. there is no way this guy gets off like there's I can't rectify these two this thing I've watched, which is factual and the right. outcome I know is happening at the season finale. But like, how is this how is this possible? And in the same thing with 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 the Monica and Bill situation or with impeachment, um, they really does tell a good story. And what I'm often what I have to keep reminding myself of while I'm watching impeachment I'm like, well, it looks like Ryan Murphy got his hands and like, massaged this situation to make it better TV. And then I think, wait, Monica's a producer on this. Yeah. So I, I believe a lot more of it than I would have if she wasn't. And I think it's such an incredible move for her to own yeah. her story. I think yeah. um, what feminism was in the 90s oh. um, was a horrible, horrible thing to people like Monica Lewinsky. And I think it's really... It's really complicated, but one of the things that I've been enjoying in the retelling of her story, um, and we saw it a lot in the A&E documentary. I don't know if you saw Monica and Bill on A&E. It was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. but it is, you know, when you understand how and you and I, we were in college. We were her age. Yeah. We were watching this in real time. All let's let's yeah. be honest, secretly wishing we were Monica.
0: Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, One hundred. I mean, I remember 100%. having conversations being like, I would have sucked his dick. You 100%. know, like I, I like we and like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. But what the, the way it was all portrayed is like, oh, you know. Here's this woman who went to Washington with her presidential knee pads to give a blowjob and move on. And what we have learned in actually understanding the story is the incredibly real relationship they had. Like very, very real relationship and how in love she was with him and how she was not out for herself. It it really like I, I truly believe this and not just because, yes, maybe. The FX version is a little more Monica-friendly because she's a producer, but the A&E version didn't have to be Monica-friendly. No, And they really did show – I think they did an excellent job of showing why she testified the way she did, why she felt compelled to give the details she did, because I think everyone's first instincts are like, oh, why would she say all that? And she was
0: scared. She was terrified. She was a young – I mean, I just – the reinvestigation of just how society treated her is like a huge thing. And like and they looked at that in the uh, Slow Burn pod series, too. I don't know if you listened to that. Like I have Like the haven't. Monica and Bill one. It's really great. And they do have like a couple episodes very focused on like the way women treated her and the way feminists treated her. And and like a reexamining of of all of that is important. Right. And how society very. and then we and we were so young. And, and I, I was talking about this on an earlier pod with my friend Andrea about like the reinvestigation that we're doing around like the young celebrity females of uh the early 2000s too the oh. britneys the jessicas the the Brady murphy like yep. you know and and that we were and and we were even younger when when monica and bill was happening and like we just absorbed all of that and like we were trying to figure out our own way to be in the world and our own version of, I mean, you know, I think you and I, our own version of feminism and like learning, mm-hmm. like we were still learning. I mean, I'm still in women's studies classes and like, yeah. you know, all of that. And, but we were absorbing all of this and like, and I know I said, I'm sure I said things and I wasn't a public oh, figure, sure. but like about like jokes and things. And that it was like the way the conversation happened and, and it's we all owe Monica such an apology. And I think she's, she's written so many things and, you know, obviously her famous Ted talk and like things she's mm -hmm. written for Vanity Fair. And then, and this show now, and it's, she's, she's a really incredible woman. Like incredible,
1: incredible. And really like, and, and has done such a good job at the now, I feel like in owning her lot in life and, and figuring out how to do good in the world. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to like, if you think about what, what was happening in that time with, like, I, I think about Ms. Magazine and how they, who should be, like, the gold star of feminism, really eviscerated Monica also. And yeah. the, pro- the problem when you think about it is if you eviscerate Monica, you are, you are protecting Bill and you're protecting the Clinton, the Clinton regime, the Clinton legacy, and protecting the Clinton presidency, which is most important, right? Because it was in Ms.'s best interest and it was in best interest of feminists for clinton to stay in office yes and in order for clinton to stay in office you make her a crazy stalker and then you protect him from impeachment so like we really owe her such gratitude and such thanks for saying like hey we're going to sacrifice you because we don't want this guy to be impeached
0: and that's just shitty it's so shitty and it's really hard to reconcile like the the things i like that like the clinton administration did like sure You know, versus, I mean, not everything was perfect by the, you know, uh, in any administration, but like, and then what he is and was and, Mm -hmm. and like how she was treated, like by all the powers that be and then like the world at large. And she was just like a terrified young woman who was being like batted around and like intimidated the fuck out of, which you get a lot in the show too. And that was really unnerving you know, and she's like, not a dumb dumb. She's just, I mean, federal agents are, like, swarming you and, like, putting you in a hotel room and telling you they're gonna charge your whole family, and then you're like, can I have a lawyer? And they're like, well, I mean, technically you could. And, you know, it's like, yeah, they intimidate. It's She's all of us. We are all of her. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think
1: there is anyone that could have handled that any better than she did. I think she did it with such grace as much as you could, but you were in a situation where you couldn't be Grace, gracious, and you couldn't be graceful. Like it was a clunky, clunky, horrible situation. That re- and and she was sacrificed for Ken yeah. star's you know, a- animosity towards the Clintons, and she was sacrificed to keep him not getting impeached.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and then she was betrayed by a. Per- at the fundamental core of it was she was betrayed by a person. Well, by Bill and yes. how whatever separate from their relationship, but like, but by Linda Tripp, by this person who she thought was her friend, and who was never her friend and no like uh, it's just it's so it's so it's so wild and it's just like we lived it and then to like just think about it all like you're saying like oh we lived the oj trial we lived this Mm -hmm. and we weren't five years old like we were watching the news and like knowing what was going on but also being so influenced by it because we were so young and the way it was covered
1: exactly (laughs) right and and thinking about the times that I mean, when the, I don't know if you remember where you were when the OJ verdict was being announced, but oh, I was yeah, absolutely. I know exactly. at 1515 Broadway. Yeah. I was at MTV working in 1515 15 Broadway and you know, we, I worked at MTV. So everyone had off- TVs in their offices. But if you looked down to Times Square, they had the verdict playing on the jumbotron and everyone who yeah. worked in like normal offices without TVs had to go down to Times Square and watch it. So, and that kind of dovetails into this idea that back in the olden days, we only got our news from a handful of sources, right? Yeah. So you were only hearing one version of the story because there were six people that were telling the story, right? And what has happened in the advent of social media is everyone gets to tell their story. Now, that's not always good, obviously. Yeah. But it's, it, it's so fascinating to think back at a time where the, where the news media really could control the narratives in such a, it's such a, with such a stronghold. In a way, they can't as much now. They still try. But, yeah. you know, with the and, internet. And it was
0: like, it was, like, the late night shows and the news networks. And, mm-hmm. like, that was, like, shaping the entire narrative of everything that was happening.
1: Everything. All yeah. of the
0: discourse, like, came out of that. And and now it's so splintered. And you can find anyone who wants to believe the thing you believe in. So, that, like you said, there's, like, great things about it and terrible things about it. And, yes. you know. Like the Clintons. Everybody's great doing their own research. Yeah, like the Clintons. Things. There are great things and <laughs> yeah. terrible things. Yeah
1: um overall i'm glad we had them overall i guess i'm glad we have social media but
0: i have some issues ugh. with both well i saw i saw this one tiktok a while ago and of course i saw it on tiktok but um it was this girl she's so funny and she was i will not do it justice but she was so dead and she's like technology we're good we can stop <laughs> we can just stop she's like you know curing curing diseases fine but all the all, we can just stop we have enough yeah. like mm-hmm. we have enough and i'm like i think i'm good with that again yes cure 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 things science good mm-hmm. but like te- straight tech like yeah i think we could just we could just stop out right now what is
1: the famous quote i'm going to totally butcher it but like we were we were promised flying to to the moon and instead we got 140 characters or less <laughs> yeah. There's something about that. Uh, and I don't, it was some, I'm, I don't know which VC was like probably Mark Andreessen or someone, but some VC said that great quote. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, y'all are so smart. Like, like let's harness that. And uh, yeah. let's, let's come up with a cure for cancer. Let's see if we can cure Yeah, let's not like, go some to fake things.
0: space, you know? Like, enough with, like, fed. like, you didn't even really go to space, Mm-mm. billionaires. Like, you're not, that's not even real space. The edge of space, so, space like, doesn't count. Like, just the edge of the atmosphere. Like, no. And also, like, do some stuff down here. Are, yeah, the planet's on fire like yeah oh that's a whole nother thing but yeah i mean that mo- the monica like the it, it was so it was so interesting and i was even in that final episode because i was just catching up earlier this week and when like they're like we love your lipstick like remember the lipstick like of the, course you know and it was yes like, sold out everywhere and oh my god it was just and, and i remember we had her on the cover of jane Oh, when yeah. I was working there, do you remember that cover? And it was of shot course. by Terry Richardson, which, like, Oy. okay, Oy. that's oh. something that needs to be reinvestigated. Sorry, too. Monica. I'm so sorry about that. That was not the right move in retrospect.
1: <laughs> um, A lot of things were mishandled. A lot <laughs> yeah. of apologies need to be provided.
0: Yes, we, we recognize that now, but it at the time and then like people would be like, Oh, why are you putting you know, like that was a very Jane thing to do and and um, but I remember so many people and I have the issue because I, I like got rid of you know New York you have no storage I didn't keep some of my stuff and so mm. I've reordered like from eBay and stuff
1: oh cool so
0: I have the issue now um but it's I was just like oh my god I remember this like it was yesterday and also it was a hundred years ago and also I remember how much shit we got for putting Monica on the cover and like well, letting her like tell part of her story
1: here's one of the things I started thinking about Um, in probably because I'm watching impeachment. And also there was an incredible article in The Cut a few weeks ago about the red pilling of Kitson. Did you read this? Oh my God, yes. It was so good. (laughs) It's so good. So one of the things that really stuck with me is, I mean, the whole origin story of Kitson and pop culture um, was fascinating with the relationship between the owner and Jill Ishkanian from Us Weekly. Uh Like, that was fascinating. Um, But the fact that now, like, even Kitson has gotten political shows this, like, weird amalgamation of that, like, I almost feel that these – Politicians and political stars—if that's what you want to call Monica Lewinsky—has usurped celebrity in certain channels. I mean, there's a quote from from that that Us Weekly journalist in this article where she's just like, you know, if I pitch my editor at the Daily Mail a Tory Spelling story or a story about how Patrice has built a wall around her house, they're going to go with the Black Lives Matter story. And like, you know, I'd be more excited. She said, I'd be more excited to see Gavin Newsom than I would Brad Pitt. And. It's just a, it's a weird thing that's happening in our, yeah. maybe I was going to say happening in our society now, but maybe it's ebb and flowed the entire time. I mean, maybe, you know, JFK Jr. was that perfect yeah. amalgamation of celebrity and politician. So both those things got me thinking, is it time for George Magazine to come back? Oh. God. AOC I mean, and, 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 and because
0: they mentioned it in, and it's in Impeachment too, right? When Linda goes totally. to that lunch.
1: Yes. That, I mean, that, I was just like, oh, it's time now.
0: Oh my it God, AOC totally in like recreating the Cindy Crawford first cover. Ah. In like the powder wig and everything. Yes. And doing like the Cindy Crawford cover, but it's AOC. Yes.
1: I mean, Abby, George was, I mean, something. here's the
0: thing. Like, he was really ahead of his time with that magazine. Yes. Like, he really, truly was. I remember my friend Carrie from college worked there for a little while and it was like, wow. Because you know, like having like a John John sighting in New York was like everything. It was everything. The world. It was the time.
1: center square and your bingo card. It was everything. Yeah, and it was like, I.
0: It was, like, I, like, literally one time saw him playing Frisbee in the park, and that was, like, the, I mean, it was, like, what, I struck gold. Yes. You know? Okay. Or, like, just go stand outside Bubby's on the weekend.
1: <laughs> Aww. Oh, Bubby's on the weekend. Oh. But, I, but I do think... You can still go the- to Bubby's. You can... Yes, is it still, still open? There.
0: It's still there. Oh
1: good. oh, good. All
0: right. Maybe I won't do, Maybe I'll, like, do a pilgrimage next time I'm in New York. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he was, I mean... For those of anyone who doesn't know, George was John F. Kennedy Jr.'s magazine, and and it was a merging of politics and pop culture, like, which is like what the world is now. Yeah,
1: I mean, so there. True. I like I
0: hate to utter his name, but I feel like
1: Trump kind of ushered a lot of that in because yeah. he was, you know, the, the reality TV star and in Home Alone and all that shit, and used that celebrity to get you know for political gain. Yeah. And now yeah, it's like, like the
0: evil version of it. It like he was it the came back to bite us in the ass. That's right.
1: But it is always interesting that like you because name recognition is so much. And, yeah. you know, talking about Matthew McConaughey running for governor of New York saying like he I mean, governor of Texas, he might be the only person that can beat out Greg Abbott. Like that's horrifying. That's me. horrifying.
0: Right. And I like Matthew McConaughey as lovely. like a actor. Sure. I would love to get funny a joke with person. him get brunch <laughs> with him at Bubby's. Yeah. I do not care what he thinks about uh, vaccine mandates for children do at not. All. Don't. I do not. do not need to know. Like, just w- give me all right, all right, all right. And just keep <laughs> living and raise money and be in movies and drive that Lincoln and like whatever, you know. Let's do a drum circle,
1: man. I'm down for it. Yeah. But, like- Hockey sack. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but governor of Texas. But that's the thing that's 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 crazy to me is like the name recognition is is a huge part of the battle. I mean, yeah. you know, I guess you can look at Al Franken, who is an incredible senator. And, you know, I think probably a lot of what got him elected is name recognition. And, um, and it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing that continues to happen in politics. That I think as um, it gets a little more superficial, I think, as people have to be more in front of social media, in front of television. Yeah. I mean, listen, politicians have been in front of television since the 50s. So that's nothing new. But like that there, that there are going to be more... Overlap or the one the woman who ran for um, district attorney in New York City was like a former not survivor contest but like one of those and she yeah. used her and we, I was doing a fundraiser with her and I was like can we you know are you okay to talk about your reality TV background or should we not and she was like oh absolutely and I'm like oh. Okay, great. And it was name recognition. And she did, a, yeah. she did a whole fundraiser getting like a bunch of the survivor people back together to do a fundraiser for her. And I was like, it's working. She raised a ton of money. She didn't end up winning, but like she's an incredible candidate. And she got a yeah. lot of heat and traction from her background.
0: Yeah, y'all, Dory is like very involved. She's amazing. You do a lot of great work, Dory. Like, Thanks. I, I enjoy front. it. It's very impressive. Thank you very much. Um, I enjoy it she has introduced our current vice president I in fact that. i have <laughs> that was amazing it was before yeah. she was vice president but still she was still she's amazing. she was still about to be vice president she was about to be vice president that's right i say you put her over the edge I you think, think you so probably, you probably tipped the scales Aww. yeah i think abby you that know, really means a lot to me thank you you, you put biden harris <laughs> over the over the top um happy to help well, he, happy to help Well, you know, and what's interesting, this is making me think about another show that we both are watching, Succession, which I talk Mm. about all the time. But it's an interesting. I'm thinking about like how politics and real life, oh yeah, do or do not come into Succession, right? So it's basically a Murdoch-like family, right, with Trumpy Trump. Like, there's like the kids of with Trumpian overtones, overtones, (laughs) and then and then, so the current season of Succession is happening, you know now but like it's the pandemic isn't in succession right but and they never mention the president by name but they call him the raisin and like he's in their control and like you know there's moments um recently where you know the like patriarch of the family is under fire from the fbi and they're trying to get the government to back off and then he's telling his news department to like go harder and it's like basically they run fox news but it's not fox news exactly and go harder on the raisin because they want to squeeze him to try to get help and it's it's so interesting because it's like it's there but they're not being as it's not like call trump right now and like right. call this specific person but like the politics the the power dynamics are all there and, well shining
1: and like, a light on that as a possibility of what can happen in this world yeah is yeah important you know it's real it's real it's, I mean especially during the Trump era that was really important to understand you know how he influenced the news cycle and how I mean I always blame the Today Show for getting him elected. Today Show had him on every single day calling in because he'd say something crazy and they'd be like get I Trump and he'd be like yeah I could shoot people on Fifth Avenue and still get elected and then he'd be on the next day doing it and it became this like crazy oh, flywheel.
0: It was Trump an, says I, crazy. I watched the Today Show every day of my whole life and it like all, I was it was infuriating.
1: Oh, have you read Katie Kirk's book yet? I haven't yet. I've just. Are read you the, going I've read to? The,
0: yeah, I've read the thing. You know, I've I've seen the clips and the blurbs and yeah, yeah. But I I have read, yeah, read all the tweets. Yeah, <laughs> I read all the tweets. Read all the feels like six she goes updates. pretty scorched earth on the whole situation of everything. <laughs> like, yeah, on the whole landscape.
1: Yeah, oh but all
0: right, girl. I am. Well, are and, you
1: and you're watching the morning show, right? I am watching the morning. Sh- I am watching the morning show, and I. <laughs> also feel like i I mean you can. i mean succession morning show um impeachment like it's all like ripped from the headlines kind of stuff so i think i'm seeing a through line for where my head is for entertainment these days um but it's so funny i would not have read katie kirk's book if i wasn't just chomping at the bit to read maggie brenner's book like that's the book i want to read i want to read maggie brenner's (laughs) book but since for I Maggie Brenner for
0: all who don't, it's the fictional. Uh, it's it's the book about the morning show on the morning show that's like gonna dig up all the all the all the things. And Marsha Gay seasons. Harden
1: plays yes. this journalist who writes the book who just exposes Mitch and Alex. She's a New
0: York Mag. Are. She's New York Mag, right? I think. Oh, is she?
1: oh, yes. I, I always just I always assume she's based on Maggie Haberman because her name's Maggie, but I don't yeah. think that's the case.
0: Yeah, she. Well, I think because I I think in the first season when before she's even doing her book when she's just like doing a piece I think when like even they bring Reese into the show and then they're like oh we have to sit down for the New York mag like Maggie Mm. but I feel like she does have some Maggie Haberman I think she's like an amalgamation of like a bunch of people and I would assume that Maggie Haberman is one of them
1: yes who also by the way as an as anti-Trump as she is a huge part of oh
0: I got some Trump with her
1: too Yeah, but, it, but I mean, that's look, where it yeah. gets really complicated, Abby. Because yeah. like her, she became successful. I know her name because of all her Trump coverage. She got all her Trump coverage because she cozied up to Trump and got him, you know, got him to tell her stories. But she's against Trump,
0: but is the key to her success. It's very complicated. Yeah, access journalism is like a whole ball of wax. That's I right. mean, time back to succession. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I I'm mean, jumping around all over the place now but no, there's so but many common uh, they themes all kind of, they all kind of like thematically go together I love when this happens though because I wasn't thinking that and then as like we're having this conversation I'm like oh wait but that's it ties into the morning show and it ties into succession and it's impeachment because it's all kind of examining the landscape in which we live from like very different perspectives and like tonally different <laughs> um, yeah. ways too because succession is so funny like it's it's really funny so funny i think oh, it's Kieran maybe Colton. the funniest thing on television but it's also like darkly funny and you're like everyone is a fucking mess but yeah and you think I to mean, yourself Kieran's so funny do
1: these people really live like that and the answer is yes yeah i do believe it like i do believe maybe some of it is is blown out but i mean the the yachts and the that house and the hamptons they were at with this last oh, week adrian brody's adrian oh, brody y- and yes. all his layers
0: in all his layers.
1: Okay, so that this I is a loved... shortcut, but maybe it takes longer. I'm like I love also that the line. way he
0: was like gaming them the whole time. Like I was so uncomfortable the entire time, and that's what I think he wanted. Like he wanted Kendall and Logan to feel mm-hmm. like he, it was like, oh no, it's this way. Oh wait, like I could get you guys a cart. Like, um, and just his like glass fucking house, and like it was like winter, but like the kid is not sick and is swimming in the pool, and then like. I mean, all the clothes he had on, but and I just have to sidebar and say, and I did say this in my newsletter, but like I've never been into Adrian Brody, like I've never been attracted to him. And I was like mildly attracted to this character and I'm confused with myself. I don't know what to do.
1: Oh, to Abby, that taps into Hampton's bro culture. I know. I'm this is God. what it is for you.
0: You but can just like, picture that's... him in his khakis and blue button
1: down. and But, all like, sudden... I didn't.
0: I was like, oh, my God. And maybe it was just like he was wearing, like, a $3,000 T-shirt under a $4,000 sweater under, like, another jacket. I don't know. But I was going to say the 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 way how they just walk out to this, like, they walk for a ways. And then they're just at this table with, like, the fucking clams and stuff. And like, oh, Yeah. That is fucking fuck you money, like yeah. nobody's business. That's
1: the staff that laid out the lunch. That's yeah. that's what it, there was an going back to New York magazine. I think it was New York Magazine that, that ran something on that house that's been for sale for like a year. It's like a I don't know, like a thirty-four oh. million dollar house. Like that house is currently for sale. So maybe you okay.
0: know maybe there's an opportunity little, for both of us, Abs. Yeah. I mean definitely. The the podcast is doing great. <laughs> <Let's just laughs> good, 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 good. Good, you good, can good. Summer. You can summer out east. We can summer out east. I love it. Just like how we used to when we were twenty three. <laughs> slightly different. I mean, maybe not as many people
1: jammed into the house.
0: Oh my god. You're maybe like, not mudslides on the beach.
1: <laughs> if you were lucky you got a quarter share what if you just got like those you know like the two times a summer share
0: because you couldn't afford even that yeah that was me yeah. and I'm like I'll just sleep in this corner yep like, I don't need a full
1: share <laughs> I'm cool to crash on the floor very
0: different than how the Royals live their life I mean the I mean it's I mean also I Tom I like, can't gull- I can't I, I,
1: I keep like <laughs> <laughs> three seasons in like I recognize Thomas who Tommy like the whole first season I'm like waiting for him to like rip the mask off and be like I'm actually the mastermind beyond this but he's not like he's really just such a goof like he's he's just such a, a goof whack
0: and like, he's unraveling to an enormous degree and but but I do the think prison selection do, oh, yeah. process that mm-hmm. he's going through that's like I wanted I kept expecting to be like this is my safety prison and like this is when he when he was like and he's like going like going through the brochures or whatever and he's like yeah no it's the you know one upstate with the kosher vending machines and then when he has that conversation with shiv and he's like you know how at the end of the day and we have that first glass of very very cold white wine (laughs) on an empty stomach (laughs) and he's (laughs) talking and then he's like the toilet wine and i'm not going to be able to like and i was like oh my god but then i just was like I can't even imagine what level of white wine they're pouring every night. And I bet it's so good oh, yeah. because even the ones I drink, that first glass is a very, very cold white wine. Yep. Is amazing, yep. Tom. It is.
1: But here's a really interesting thing that I've never gotten to the bottom of that I, that I really hope they get to at some point. What does Shiv see in him? I don't I get don't it. Know. I don't know. I truly don't
0: understand. It's very strange because, you know, and I thought it was, interesting this week like this this past episode that um, when she you know she gets dressed down by her dad and like she's kind of failing right in a way that we kind of haven't seen Shiv totally you know it's like she couldn't land the lawyer and now she's like no one respects her at the office which and but like with Tom it's just like he he never exuded any sort of alpha behavior and I can understand why she would want someone who she was dominant over yes I get that but, like, he is such, like, a limp dick. Like, a I don't even
1: know. I mean, like, I honestly, like, when I picture, let's just, let's just also take a moment and, like, shout out Shiv, a fellow redhead. Yes. Yes. Um, but I feel like who I would want for Shiv is, like, an artist, right? Who, like, yes. appreciates, because, of, remember, when we first met Shiv, she was, like, a bleeding-heart liberal and working on these campaigns and, like, against yeah. her family's business. And so I love the idea if she was with, an artist who could, like, tra- tra- chase his creative dreams because she could support him. Right. And she liked that because he wasn't very complicated. Like, this works for me. This Tom thing, I don't get. Like, I just I don't understand them
0: as a couple. It makes me crazy. No. And it's like, I do, I love the Tom character, but they don't make any sense. Mm-mm. He, he would be Greg, a good, like, Cousin Greg. Maybe, yeah, like, he is Cousin, you know, it's just like, oh, Greg. Greg, Greg, Greg.
1: Yeah, or maybe... Um, uh, Cameron from Ferris, uh, Alan Rock, I'm uh, getting his characters yes. name on the show. Yes. He, like Connor. if Tom, Connor, if Tom was like, if Connor was a Tom, like if Tom was like a, from a previous marriage, again, I yes. like the character that he adds in. I just expect more from Shiv than Tom.
0: I know. I know. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't, but I'll watch every second of it. Every second a, of it. Like, devour it. Did you I, watch I SNL last watch... weekend? Oh, yes. Why are you, uh, I mean, when it, when he was like, "I just asked for my uppies." When they were showing the clip, I was like, "We got to give Kieran his uppies." Um, oh, so good. Well, also, I mean, taking it all the way back when cousin Greg was on when he when Jason Sudeikis was hosting and they did "What's Up with That?" and he was and because there was always the running bit that. Bill Hader would play Lindsay Buckingham and they would just like never have time for Lindsay Buckingham yes. and Hader would sit there seething at, in character as Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> and so Hader wasn't there, but c- Cousin Greg was there. Nicholas Braun was there. And uh, Keenan kept being like, oh, my God, Lindsay Buckingham, your Cousin Greg costume is the best costume because <laughs> it was like Halloween. And he's like, no, I'm Nicholas Braun. And he's like, "Lindsey Buckingham, look at you and your Cousin Greg costume. <laughs> who's better than Keenan no one and I was, I was really hoping when Sudeikis was on that they were going to do that and they did and I was like oh this is so good but I was like wondering if Hader was going to be there doing his Lindsay uh, Buckingham but instead they had but they turned it <laughs> and I was like it works it, it works. totally works and like Kieran is oh my god did you see this the, the cut did an article and it was like Kieran Culkin is Macaulay Culkin's brother because apparently there are some People that the youths the were youths outraged didn't know.
1: I don't I'm like that. Is I just can't. This is where I'm like, oh, I guess there
0: is a generation gap. I'm like, I'm always like, oh, I get it. I can cross all the board, you know, like I got across the generations. I'm always like, I'm generationally confused. I'm sorry, you guys. You didn't. Well, they they look exactly They. Uh, what are we talking about? I don't You guys don't didn't
1: understand. know? I don't understand. I mean, it's the same people that don't understand, don't, don't know that like Elizabeth Olsen is like
0: related to the Olsen twins. I'm like, they look exactly. Like, yeah last or, name is or, Olsen come on oh remember when they did this with Catherine O'Hara when they were like Moira Rose is the mom from Home Alone yes yes she is she's a comedy icon and she you looks guys. exactly the same it's
1: not like she had bad plastic surgery she no, looks she's- wonderful now she looks wonderful then she looks the same Also, the
0: fucking internet exists. Like, what are you guys talking about? Hey, ever heard of IMDb? It does wonders to try and figure out where people are. (laughs) I was like, oh my god, we have to. We now have to do a story. Someone had to do a story. Kieran Culkin is Macaulay Culkin's brother, and I was like, oh sweet god. Oh, and so again, sad. I go
1: to, like, I always like to think of, like, the network meetings, but this would be a magazine, so you would know how that editorial meeting went. When someone pitches that idea, and could you imagine, like, the editor, who I'm hoping is over the age of 26, would go, like, that's the dumbest idea ever. Everyone knows that. And then the blank stares around the room, and you're like, oh, God, you guys don't know that? That's, yeah. like, actually newsworthy? We're actually going to use, like, print to talk
0: about this? And
1: yeah. then you realize there is a generational divide.
0: I know. I don't like it. It doesn't mm-hmm. make me – I mean, because, again, I, I – it is a, I would rather grow old than the alternative. Yes. But I struggle with it. And I think, yeah, I, I, it's, I, yeah, that's a midlife crisis for you. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. like, no. And then you're just like, because sometimes even with like mildly younger friends, I have to watch and be like, oh, right. You just, you were seven. Like, you weren't obsessed with that in the same way. Yeah. Like, even if you, I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. You're not. 27 anymore. Um, but I do think we I was like yeah but I know stuff about things that came out before I was born or before I was too oh. old enough to it's like it's, it's not like I'm like well the Godfather came out and I never knew about it because it didn't come out when I was 13 like you know it's like that's I, exactly I right. Some fucking history before in preparation for this
1: podcast today I was like I've been interested in pop culture and history for like such a long time I'm like God I wrote a paper in college about like feminism through sitcoms so I went back through my old files and I found some of my classic college papers and there is one and I mean the date on it was 1998 so you know I'm yeah I'm not geriatric um and the title the title of the paper was from Ozzie to Archie the influence of national events on the sitcom families of the 50s 60s and 70s and again I wrote this in 1998 so I was studying the Cleavers and the Nelsons like because because to understand the foundation of Pop culture you need to know where it came from which
0: is why we started this conversation yeah exactly See, like you have bring to understand full that the Calkins are brothers yeah like it's I, I and I guess if you have any interest in that and it is it's like studying a part of history right it's cultural history and no we were not watching tv when there were new episodes of fucking like, no I love Lucy which and Harriet. I, love. God, I love Lucy <laughs> like you know it's like you can't act like you only know things from like you're course, you're going to have a different relationship to the content like yes. that you have that was like fundamental when you were a teenager. I get that. Like absolutely. Of course, I'm going to care we're going to care about Saved by the Bell or 90210 or My So-Called Life differently mm-hmm. than uh. someone who watched it in a different period of their life or, That's right. or just learned about it or studied it or whatever. Of course, that that makes total sense. By the way, the but same
1: like, <clears throat> the same way we understood 30 something Right. When before we were in our thirties and watched it and appreciated it differently than if we went back and "quote unquote" watched it now. I'm just going to pretend we're in our thirties, but like it's yeah, we just a different are. appreciation at <laughs> different points yeah. in life. But this is interesting. I was I'm not a big Mark uh, Marin fan, um, not intentionally. Just like past, yeah, like I, I've never listened to his podcast before, but I was recommended. He did a podcast this week on cancel culture, um,
0: which no, was I fascinating. I listen to him like sometimes. I would say. Have you listened to this episode? I haven't listened to this oh, episode, Oh, it's no. fascinating.
1: He had a, a historian, Cliff Nesteroff is his name. He's got a great Twitter f- a Twitter handle called Classic Showbiz. And this guy is researching the history of quote-unquote canceled comedians. And he was talking about like in 1957, Red Skelton was like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. You can't insult uh-huh. the Jews. You can't insult the Italians. Comedy's over. Right. And like all the times in history, like dating back to the 1900s when people were saying right. – comedy is over because you can't, ma- you can't make fun of this group of people, right? And, it's, and how it's all shifted. And now, you know, it's like there's this whole huge thing right now about like, oh, the woke mob is coming after everybody. Right. And it was just really interesting, again, because I appreciate the history of so much of these things to see. Yeah. Like, to see, oh, we're just this, like, it's the same old shit with a different generation. There is nothing unique about comedians saying, but why can't I make fun of, Um, disabled people why can't I make fun of trans people it's like you can't the same way you could make fun of Jews and you couldn't make fun of Jews and Italians back then and now no one even thinks about how inappropriate that is like we're just not we haven't caught up to this new group of people that we are thinking oh we've ignored them
0: for all this time like let's be more thoughtful and right it it drives me crazy because I'm always just like But just evolve the comedy, like, right? If you can't find a way to be funny without putting someone else down who has told you this hurts me, then are you a good comic? You know, like, I, I, you know, and that's not directed at any one person, but like at the general discourse, like, but it like to your point, it always evolves. It's like the it's like um, the same way, like, uh, I think like some younger millennials, I would not say elder millennials, because those feel more like Gen Xers, but like. Where they're like, oh, Gen Z doesn't like our hair part and like our jeans. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, because you're fucking old now. Like, 17 year olds are never going to fucking think 40 year olds are cool. It doesn't mean you're not cool, but they're never going to. They never have. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah. And you know what's cool, Abby? Not giving a shit who thinks you're cool.
1: (laughs) Yes. I mean, isn't that the lesson we all learned in high school? yeah like
0: yeah. just do you be weird be whatever be basic be whatever someone's always gonna make fun like and again that that's what teenagers do they fucking right. make fun of older people like that literally like they just it's do it low on the hanging, internet it's now low-hanging fruit i th- and yeah. that's the,
1: the, like when when i feel like there was every female comedian used like would always start out and talk about like jokes about getting raped right like right. because it was low-hanging fruit it's like people would be like ah you know, like that's awkward, and like I feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a joke. Like, ugh. um, and now you don't do that, right? That's fine. They've evolved. They yeah. they find new ways of of comedy, and they find new ways to be provocative.
0: Yeah, like there's. It's not like you can't be provocative. Like, I want my comedian or a certain segment of my yeah. comedians to be provocative. It's just like, yeah, just evolve the language, evolve the and comedy. Don't be like, lazy. That's the thing. It's like it's it's really easy to just make fun of somebody. Like. That's like you said, low hanging fruit, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's like that the groups have changed. But like really the mentality hasn't. Yeah. And, and if you're going to be like, woke ma, you know, oh, I'm sorry that someone told me that these kinds this kind of language hurts their feelings. So I try not to hurt their feelings. Like, fine. If that makes me part of the woke mob, then happy know, to be here, happy to be there. Like, yeah, you know, like, oh, you told me that bothers you. OK, sorry, I didn't know. I'll, I'll stop doing that. Like, yeah, it's really as simple as that as it's to me, it's as simple as like being a kind and thoughtful person and a good person like and when someone tells you that they hurt you, hurt them, then you try not to hurt them anymore. Yeah, and <laughs> like, by the way, it doesn't
1: make like a difference that. if you didn't mean it. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference if you don't
0: understand why they're hurt. Like they just are. Yeah. And just like take them at their word that that was hurtful and mm-hmm. you can just learn from it. And again, you could have had the best of intentions. And if they know you. Then they probably understand that too, but that doesn't mean it didn't hurt their feelings, and it doesn't mean that you can't change, even though you didn't have bad intentions. You know, right? But
1: I love that. That so often the impetus is to be like, no, like going to double down because it's like there's an ability to be like, oh wow, hmm, I'm sorry. You know, there's no introspection.
0: Yeah, there's no nuance. There's no introspection. There's no just like, huh? Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Like, I will, I will take that knowledge and try to do better because like mm-hmm. who's just not i'm just like trying to be a better person in the world a better friend a better sister a better daughter you know like it's yeah. just like oh i'm just trying to grow and evolve as a person like it's it's not as deep as some people try to make it you know if listen you just think about it on a human level <laughs>
1: if brenda and kelly can come back together yes. after the whole dylan fiasco everyone should be able to apologize when they hurt someone else
0: that's exactly right that is a perfect spot we just take we've taken it full circle but oh. before I let you go um even though I would like to keep you here I'm for, like there's the so many other of the fun day, things to talk about I know well you'll just come back okay you'll great. come back I love this discussion, though it was really good. I knew it would be. See, I, I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed it, but it really I just want, makes me
1: think of of. It, so, I'm like, uh, my brain just starts exploding with all the different things that, that are happening on TV, and, and and I am a TV geek. I'm, we didn't even talk about movies yeah. or social media or music yeah. because I just fucking love television. I love it TV. Is,
0: it's always been my mo- it's it's my space. It's my like, husband's I love like, do you want to watch so a
1: movie much. tonight? I'm like, no.
0: <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I did that for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> i used to have to do that a lot i don't oh i I just want to watch another show when is this is us coming back i know right (sighs) new in 2022
1: Uh, are you kidding me we still have that much longer to go did i miss a season or has it really been off the air for no no they just
0: didn't air they i think they're just um they didn't air in this first part of like network season (sighs) they're gonna air i think i think maybe we'll get less reruns i should ask mandy
1: Oh, the, by the way, that that you should ask Mandy. Um, that's so funny. In this network season, I forget. Like, oh yeah. right, they're like seasons on network shows. I know
0: because I still watch like Grey's Anatomy. I watched it last night. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> like I watch it like in real time. You know? Wow. <laughs> like, dvr from my cable seventeen years. Is
1: it seventeen years? This is, is the eighteenth. But I it, mean,
0: I. But it started in two thousand five because it was a mid season replacement in two thousand five. So we're we're going on like. So there's a footnote 17 here? years so it's like but it, this is the 18th season but like I that was, first season was very short and it was a it was a fucking mid-season replacement oh and do you remember they
1: used to have a theme song with those uh-huh. like heels that would go like, yeah, and I the was little shoes was just telling my mother that Grey's Anatomy because they they shoot Grey's right by my house my mom's in uh-huh. town we're walking by I said oh that's where Seattle Grace is and um I was saying I'm like oh Grey's Anatomy was the first show I binged because I used to walk down to Blockbuster and get uh-huh. the the DVD series at time. And I'd binge watch the cause, you know, I had to return it to yeah.
0: Blockbuster. <laughs> I used to do that um, like with the first season of 24 because I oh, didn't yes. watch it for some reason in real time. So I would get either go to the Blockbuster or get the mailed red envelope uh. Sure. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when Netflix was so revolutionary, mm-hmm. before it was really revolutionary,
1: and killed like the water cooler conversation and like the national. Like national unity around television, Netflix killed it.
0: Yeah, I used to walk to the Blockbuster on La Brea mm. from my apartment that was on like Cloverdale, not to be confused with Cloverfield in yep, California, but yep, like yep, yep. yeah, like in like that Mid Wilshire. Like I could walk from my apartment to the Blockbuster, and I would get my DVDs still in two thousand five and binge while you were binging Grey's Anatomy. Yep. And I would also get uh, block uh, bottle caps and Laffy Taffy and I like to mix those together. And so it.
1: perfectly <laughs> 2000s. I love it.
0: <laughs> and also like the way I could ingest sugar. <laughs> in yes. Very special. I was like so much younger. <laughs> um, This has been amazing. Thank you so much. But I want you to tell everyone a little bit about the Jane Club, which is oh, a huge yes. part of your life. And I think that listeners would love it and i love it so much and i am so happy to be a jane
1: yes well we are happy you are jane the jane club is this incredible um online collective of women across the country and a few internationally um we provide community connection and a host of content and programming every day. We do everything from community connection where people like pop on to Zoom, check in with other people, see how your day is going. If you're feeling a little lonely working from home, we do um, co-working together called Work Sprints where we have two hour Mm -hmm. blocks of time where we all get together and work. Um, But then we have super fun programming. Um, Oh, and I should say besides our super fun programming, we have a daily meditation. So if that's on your New Year's resolution, if that's something you need part of your life, we make it very easy for you to meditate. We have a weekly workout class. But my favorite part, and most of where I spend a lot of my energy at the Jane club is in our super fun daily programming where we have everything from like intro to cryptocurrency to like how to properly microdose to get through your work day. Um, We have all sorts of fun pop culture programming. We did an incredible event with the um, filmmakers of framing Britney Spears, which I'm thinking about today because theoretically her conservatorship ends the day we are taping this, which is fascinating. Uh, I attended, I attended that event. Did you, did you, it was good, wasn't it? It was really good. We did. Um, did you come? We had a panel discussion with the filmmakers of Lula Rowe. I mean, sorry, Lula Rich.
0: Uh, I missed that one, but I wanted <gasps> to. I couldn't come. But I'm it sure was, it's
1: on yeah, Jane on Demand. You know, we that. had. Re- Oh yeah, I just it need so Jane on Demand, yeah. And we had Roberta Blevins. Do you remember her? She was uh, she was great. She was oh. one of the big uh, sellers. Uh, and she was on, We uh, it was a great panel. And then Abby Gardner is moderating our Babysitter's Club panel we're doing <laughs> with so the filmmakers excited. of that next week.
0: I'm so excited. I love Babysitter's Club so much. And I love the book so much. And I love the show so much. And I'm so excited you asked me to do it. I can't wait.
1: It's gonna be awesome. So the Jane Club is just this incredible group of women. And and I love any- the Slack.
0: And being in the oh. Slack, all the different slacks. Slack channels for everything you want, whether it's like really work related or like anti-racism work to like pop culture stuff. There's like, you know, the bitch sesh like Slack channel, like podcast Slack channel. And like just you can do like, you know, it's uh, the whole range of anything one might be interested in, you can like really find it there. It's a really amazing community you guys have built.
1: Thank you. I really, I really appreciate you hearing saying that. And especially the Slack channels, because what I'm trying to gravitate us to is like a post-Facebook world. Like how do we get off Facebook? How do we have the same flow of information, the same sense of community that I get on Facebook and have it elsewhere? And then that has been the Jane Club Slack channels for me. It's like, you know, if I'm in the LA channel, I'm like, where are kids getting vaccinated? It's like here, you know, and if I'm in, um, and it was one of the Slack channels that tipped me off to the Mark Marin podcast podcast that I thought was so interesting on cancel culture and our DEI programming is incredibly yes. important and top notch. We work with some incredible it's people. So in amazing. That category. Yeah. yeah. And and if anyone is in, intrigued by what you hear please come join us at the Jane Club. Use notes50 for half off your first month at Jane.
0: Yes. And I I it's it's really incredible and I love that it's, you know, it's women all over the place and women uh Doing all different things and not just what you know, like um, not binary you know, all different kinds of people. And mm-hmm. um, I did the I was telling Dory before we started recording. I did like a three hour virtual um writers retreat on Sunday, and it was incredible. And it was so. Um, helpful to me. Like we broke out into small groups and I got feedback on some work and got to give feedback and got really inspired by the other people's writing. And there was a great um, author who was helping do the prompts and and then the Jane Club team that was moderating. And it was it was it was amazing. It's just a really um, wonderful space to exist in online, which is not always easy to come by. Oh, thank point. you. We,
1: yeah, I, I really appreciate hearing that. We we're going to do another one of those registered retreats again in January. Oh, good, I'm um, going to do it again. And it it really it is hard to to moderate safe spaces online because um it, it's it's something that we put a lot of thought and um and we're very intentional about it because it's it challenging. shows it oh, really good. shows.
0: Thanks. Yeah. It does, and I know I'm like a cis straight white woman, but I feel you can feel it, and I can feel it from other people in the space. It just feels very welcoming. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for coming. This was a delight. I so enjoyed it. So much fun. Um, I miss you, and I'm going to come to LA. Miss you too. Okay. Good. Come see you. Okay, and I will be right back. Thank you so much to Dory for that amazing conversation. I And also thank you to all of you for listening to what has amounted to like kind of a therapy session. Love it. Thanks for coming along for my wild and wacky emotional journey. It's much appreciated. Maybe you've been on one too and you can relate. I know some of you can. Um, If you would like more nonsense from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Abby C Gardner or the at we have notes account. It's just at we have notes on Insta and now also on TikTok, or you can follow me on Twitter at Abby Gardner and you can subscribe to the newsletter that comes out every Friday. We have notes.substack.com. It is free though. I'm thinking about maybe doing like a bonus, some bonus issues for a, subs- for a subscription fee. I don't know. I'm batting it around. We'll see. And until next week where I think I'm going to do some sort of things I'm grateful for in pop culture a moment for thanksgiving take back a part of your narrative that you felt like you haven't had control over feels pretty good i think taylor swift would tell you to do that uh be unapologetic unapologetically yourself that's what harry styles would want you to do and that's what i i would like you to do both of those things too i think it'll feel really good and i hope you have a great week and i will talk to you soon Thanks again.